It's Sunday, November the 6th, uh, 2016. I'm going to recap a message that I preached this morning. Um, and the reason why I didn't get it recorded is because I didn't have my uh, recorder with me at the time. We had a big disruption before church uh, during the Sunday school hour. We had somebody come in and and uh, I mean there it was a it, there there was a spiritual battle that was taking place and we had to uh, see somebody out to, out of the church and it just it disrupted things. There was a heavy spirit in the place. Um, had to spend a lot of time prepping this message this morning but no doubt about it I feel like the message was a needed message and I feel like Satan did everything he could to hinder the message and to stop the message from happening uh, every once in a while I, we have encounters like this we have problems like this somebody from just outside the church will come in and try to try to disrupt things and that's what happened this morning. And it's, just, it's nothing more than a sign that we're doing something right. We're on the right track. So I, I want to go ahead and get this message recorded just for saving purposes. But it's found in Genesis chapter 11. Genesis chapter 11 is the story of um, the, the Tower of Babel. And, and my, my thought was, and, I, and the title of the message, I titled it that the Lord has one more adventure uh, for you, every person in the in the place, every person that was here, that the God has an, one more assignment, one more adventure, and listen, living for the Lord, following after the Lord is an adventure. It's exciting to live for the Lord. It can be dangerous. It can be hazardous. It can be scary. It can be fun. All of those type of things. But uh, it's it's my belief. We're sitting here today, and we're watching the disintegration of this nation. As believers, we can sit here and we can literally see society degenerate, society disintegrate right before our very eyes. And I'm believing that this is probably one of the best times in, the, in, in history uh, to be alive if you want to be used by God. Anyway, uh, we'll begin reading in verse 1 of chapter 11, Genesis chapter 11. It says, And the whole earth was one language and one speech. And it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. This is a picture of globalism. Uh, the whole earth was one language and, and one speech. There was a time when the whole world was one language, one, one, they were one. And we think of this today as being a good thing. But if you know the story of Babel, it was a bad thing. Globalism is not a good thing. Have you ever heard uh, the, the saying where we, people are saying that the world is getting smaller? The world is getting smaller through technology and travel and all of that. And we look at it today as being something great. But it's not. It's not always a good thing. It's a bad thing. And we're going to see the reason why it's a bad thing here in just a moment. But remember this. Antichrist will be a globalist. Uh, Antichrist, will, he'll, he'll lead us down that path to a one-world government, one-world religion, one-world currency. You know, that sort of thing. And so globalism is not good. And there's a reason for it. Beginning verse 3. And they said one to another, Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, and they said, Go to, let us build us a city and a tower, whose top may reach into heaven, and let us make us a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. 
This is an, is an example. The first thing that jumps out to you here in these couple of verses is all that all this me talking, me, me, I, I. You know, it's all about us, us, and and it's and it's to the exclusion of God because they kick God out. Uh, in verse three, it says, "Let us." Verse four, "Let us build us." Then again, "Let us make us." It's all about us, and whenever there's this this um, this uh, unity, uh, you know, you begin to you you can do away with God. You start looking at things like, look at what we can do, look at what we can accomplish, the human effort. The human will, we can do anything when we are determined. We can do anything when we set our minds to it. We don't need God. We can do anything. Reminds me in James chapter 4, verse 13, you know, that when James talks about, you know, woe to you who, you know, you say things like today or tomorrow, we'll go into this place and that place and we'll live here, here and there and we'll conduct business here. He says, he says, you should say if it's the, if it's the Lord will, we would go into such and such a place and live and conduct business for such and such a time and stuff. But see, just like these people, we oftentimes, we make our own plans to the exclusion of God. And we draw strength in this, in this numbers thing. We will, we will unify ourselves and join ourselves even against God. You remember also the story in Luke chapter 12, uh, verse 18, thereabouts that the parable about the guy who had the the barns. He says to himself, you know, I have many goods. I have, you know, where can I, what can I do? He goes, I know what I'll do. I'll build bigger barns that, that he could have more things. And then the Lord reminds him, he says, thou fool, this day your life is going to be required of you. Then whose will these things be? And so that's the that's the thing. They're not inquiring of God. This what they're saying here does not include God. God's been kicked out. But they realize that there's a jeopardy to this because at the end of verse four it says, We're going to do this, we're going to build this city and tower that the tops may reach unto heaven for a purpose, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. See, there's some kind of innate fear in the heart of man that society is going to disintegrate, that society is going to break apart. And I think people know that it's God, it's the Lord, it's Jesus that is the glue that holds everything together. And we may recognize that, but we don't like it. And mankind today, humans, they they recognize that there's got to be something drawing us together, but they don't want to submit themselves to the authority of God. They don't want to submit themselves to the authority of God's word. And so what they do is they supplement that they uh, replace God with something else. And in this case, it's going to be, hey, let's build us a tower. Let's build us a tower that will uh, reach un, uh, unto heaven. Um, People are always trying to uh, unify the people behind some kind of a common cause. And if God can't be it, something else will replace it. I dare say that I think every human being, every man that ascends to a place of power, there's, a, there's an element of insanity to all of that. You remember when it says that of Satan, that he, that he comes down with great wrath because he knows that his time is short. Satan knows his time is short, so he comes down with, with great wrath. Well, see, any person who has ascended to some type of a place of power, 
there's an element of insanity to them because they know that power is fleeting and they've only got it for a little while and they'll do anything that they can do to hold on to and maintain that power. And one of the easiest ways to hold on to it is they begin to create some kind of a crisis. They, they, we can go start us a war. We can financial crisis, job market crisis, a financial crisis, or global crisis, or a you know foreign affairs crisis. Every crisis that we have on the planet today is a man-made crisis, with the effort of holding on to power, with an effort of uh, uh, holding and, and, and building the people together. Uh, you see it happening all the time. We'll replace it. Or we'll get the people unified in, the, in, in behind, uh, you know, something. God doesn't even have to be a part of it, but we'll unify people. I, I've seen, listen, man, I've, uh, it can be a common goal, a building project. <laughs> You've got to give the people some kind of a common goal. I've known pastors even don't see it much anymore because the old church growth movement is pretty much dead because churches now stand in deep debt. They're in debt up to their eyeballs and attendance is down. And, and, and we spent so much time on focusing on church growth. We, we lost a generation's worth of people. But uh, they built these dinosaur edifices to themselves called church buildings and, and now they have a hard time feeding it and everything so the whole church movement is dead but I remember back in the day back when I was in seminary I heard pastors I once heard a pastor say that he'd never be a part of a church that didn't have an ongoing building project because it always seems like that's where something's happening that's where something's going uh, they replace the Holy Spirit with just activity and it's a false activity you know but but uh, uh, if, they're, if they're not building something or something like that, so they, there's always this, it's not gathering people around Jesus, it's gathering people around church, it's gathering people around a building project or something. And that's what's taking place here. But the crazy thing about it is they know, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the earth, you know, let's build us a tower. Let's have something in common. Let's be unified in this project. It's not a good thing because they, they, are, they have set themselves up against God. Verse 5, and the, Lord, and the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of men builded. This cracks me up. This is actually kind of funny. It, it, <laughs> the Lord came down to see. It's funny in the sense because they built a tower whose top may reach into heaven. So, well, here's the danger. You start building that nonsense, you know, using whatever it may be, uh, the Lord as your motive, I guess. The Lord may come down that thing you build, and he might find the thing that you're laboring on, the thing that you're working on, the thing that you're trying to build. He might find your building project, and he may not like it. And uh, so he, you build it up, he may very well come down. <laughs> and so he comes down to see the city and the tower which the children of men build. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one. They have all one language, and this they begin to do. And now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined to do. And here's the bad thing. It's that whole globalism, the whole... The, nothing, anything can be accomplished with the human will. If we set our minds to it, we can, we can do anything. But they're one language, and everything that they begin to do and know, if they stay unified, 
they, they are unified in this one language. And this they began to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them which they have imagined. You know, we're supposed to be unified, uh, unity, but the unity is in Christ and in nothing else. And when you find yourself unified in Christ, you're going to find yourself in opposition to the rest of the world. There's no way you can be in unity with the world because the world is an enemy of, of God. So our unity comes from Christ. We, 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 we unify ourselves with Christ. And so there you have it. And this is the reason why. Now he says in verse 7, Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. This is the solution right here. This is when the language is the people. It says, let us go down. I think that's Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the Trinity. Let us go down there and confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. This is the reason why, why there's so many different languages, why there's so many different uh, cultures and everything upon, upon the earth. Um, we're not supposed to be of one tribe, one language, all that kind of stuff. God, there's, there's reasons why God does things the way that he has. And so he confounds our languages and things like that. Now, we're still supposed to take the gospel into these areas, into these different cultures, into these different languages. And, and God provides people and gives gifts and all of that. kind. He still wants to see them saved. But there's a reason why we don't all speak the same language, have the same culture and all that kind of thing. So is then verse eight. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to the and they left off to build the city. They stopped building the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of the earth. Notice this, it says in verse 8, that the Lord scattered them. The Lord is the one that scattered them. Now, this is a good thing, but we often see scattering as being a bad thing. And I want to talk to you about what it means to scatter. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah helps us understand this clearly. I think he says something about, you know, to the pastors or to the... Uh, you know, to the shepherds who scatter the flock. The picture that we have is when we begin to draw people to us, when we build our buildings and we have our projects and we, you know, our, our temples or whatever it may be, anything that we use to draw people to ourselves, that is scattering the flock. Rather, we're supposed to be pointing people to Jesus. Not drawing them to ourselves, but pointing them to Jesus. Just like John the Baptist. Behold the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. He's basically saying, there he goes. Look. Look. Behold. There he goes. Follow him. Don't follow me. Follow him. Don't listen to me. Listen to him. And when you begin to point people, Jesus says when, when Jesus is lifted up, that he will draw all men to himself. And so when we lift up to Christ, then he draws all men to himself. That is drawing people to Christ. When we begin to draw people to church and, and the temple and, and, and to ourselves and try to, you know, try to, we, we think that that's a good thing. But it's not. What we're doing, in essence, is scattering the flock. So the Lord comes along. He says, I don't like what you're doing. And the Lord scatters the flock. 
And the Lord scatters the flock for the purpose of stopping them from doing what they're doing because it says, so the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of the earth and they left off to build the city. They, they stopped building their city. They stopped building their tower. They stopped the project that they were working on. And so when the Lord scatters them, it's for a purpose. First, you stop doing that. Stop it. Whatever you're doing, stop it. And it's got the intent to turn people's attention back to them. In the day, uh, there was a, in the day God would send uh, prophets to the people. The people had built the temple, the temple of God, and they had re they had a temple worship and everything that was going on. In the book of Jeremiah, God warns them. He sends them prophets to warn them to repent. They have taken up other gods. They were guilty of idolatry. They uh, they had they they were not they were not uh, obeying God like they should. God sent them prophets to warn them and they refused to listen to the prophets. Shoot, you know, they even they even killed the prophets. And what they were doing was even the temple itself became an idol to them. He said they would go and they would do all of the, these detestable things. They'd you'd go out and live like hell. Then you'd come back and come to the church or come to the temple and say, Temple of the Lord, Temple of the Lord, Temple of the Lord, and still do all of these detestable things. They would build their temple, but their heart was far from God. And when that happens, the temple itself becomes an idol. The temple, you're guilty of idolatry because your temple has become the idol. And I dare say this, this is a problem within the church today. There are many who can serve the church. They love the church. They love the church more than they love Jesus. And the church has become an idol. They will gather people to church, but they refuse to point them to Jesus. And so this is a problem. And so what the Lord does, the Lord comes down. He raised up the Babylonians. The Babylonians destroyed their temple, just like God tore down their tower here, the Tower of Babel. He stopped that little project. Well, he did the same thing to the Jews when, when they built their temple and they worshiped their temple more than they worshiped him. He says, all right, I'm going to raise up the Babylonians. I'm going to slap you. I'm going to spat you down hard. The Babylonians tore down their temple and they scattered. They, they dispersed them into, the, um, into the, uh, the, the Babylonian kingdom. But it was with a purpose. They stopped doing that. They stopped their temple worship and their hearts were turned back to God. And in time, they were able to return. You remember when Jesus was crucified. When Jesus was crucified, the disciples were gathered in Jerusalem and they stayed there until they received the Holy Spirit. And being armed with the Holy Spirit, God gave them the Great Commission and sent them out, uh, you know, equipped to, uh, to take on the world. But it was the crucifixion. It was just like a big hammer coming down. And all of a sudden, those 12 disciples, they were about, they were weary, about to give up, didn't understand what was going on. It was almost like a big fist just came along and slapped them and hit them. And they just dispersed. And they went, they went off in different directions, carrying the gospel message and carrying out the Great Commission, starting the spread of the gospel. Even when you get to the time of Stephen stoning, when Stephen was stoned in the book of Acts, Christians were all huddled together in one place. But when persecution hit, when persecution became strong, they, um, um, uh, they, it was just like a, all manner of Stephen being stoned, tribulation, uh, persecution happening. It was just like a big slap 
and uh, and the people were dispersed into all the all the world, and that's how the gospel began to spread. Picture, if you will, like a pan of water. A pan of water, no ripples in it. It's sitting there all nice and calm, nothing to it. Then all of a sudden, you take your hand. You just imagine in your mind this picture of someone taking their hand and just coming down and just slapping that pan of water. And what happens? The water just 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 spews out everywhere, going in every direction. Well, sometimes God does that. He'll do that to his church. He'll do that to his people. He'll do that to a nation. He very well could do that to this church. Don't think that what we have here will last forever because it won't. I think he's about ready to slap a, slap a hurt down upon this nation, and it may create some suffering. It may be difficult. It may be hard. It, it's not going to be fun. But from that, the gospel, there's, there's opportunity here for the light to shine. There's opportunity here for the gospel to be dispersed uh, once again throughout the nation. These things happen, and, it, and it's at the hand of God. Someone very, God may very well come down and, and, and slap this church down, where everybody in this church all of a sudden is just dispersed, and we, we scatter. And uh, it can happen. It could happen. What we have now is not permanent. What we have now is not going to last forever. It's going to come to an end. So just enjoy it while you've got it because it's about to come to an end. And when that happens, every person in this place may just be, just be scattered all over the place for God's purpose that they stop doing what they're doing for one. Now, what I'm going to do, I'm going to quickly, I'm going to end right here. To go to the next chapter, chapter 12, and quickly, this is, you're just one chapter away. Chapter 12, and this is the story of Abraham's calling. It said, Now the Lord had said unto Abram, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, and from thy father's house, into a land where I have shown thee, and I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make... Thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. You want to be a blessing. This is the, what the Lord is. This is how the Lord is going to make you a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse them that curse thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And so Abraham departed as the Lord spoken unto him, and Lot went with him. And Abram was seventy and five years old, and he departed out of Haran. Now here's here's the 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 deal. This I'm going to end with these just these last few thoughts. Listen, uh, just like Abraham was told, those who bless you will be blessed. Those who curse you will be cursed. I think the same thing is true for you. The same thing is true for you. The Word of God tells us the same thing is true for Israel. Those who bless Israel will be blessed. Those who curse Israel will be cursed. The same thing is true for you. The Spirit of God dwelling in you, 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 living for the Lord. You taking on these assignments like that? Listen, whoever blesses you will be blessed. Whoever cursed will be cursed. You don't have to curse your enemy. They're cursed already. You bless your enemies. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. That kind of a thing. But those who, those who bless you will be blessed, and those who curse you will be, will be cursed. There's one more assignment. I'm believing this, that every one of us sitting in here, every person here has another assignment coming from the Lord. One more adventure. And some of you in here may even be on your last adventure. You, you very well may. This may be your last adventure. And if that's you, go out strong. Don't disappoint the Lord. Don't go out. A, a, you go out strong. And for the rest of us, you very well may be on your last one. You, you, you've, 
this you may not be getting anymore. Many have already wasted most of the most of their life. No, there's not very many more opportunities going to come your way. But you're going to have opportunity to have at least at least one more adventure. And and I'm just telling you to take it, take it. And it, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what your health condition is. It doesn't matter. Abraham was 75 years old. So it doesn't matter your age or your health or anything else. You've got one more adventure lying before you. Take it. Take it. Whatever it may be. And you get up. Get out of this place. Go out into the world and make an impact in this world for Christ. Get out. Make an impact for the kingdom of God.